Welcome to a podcast of The Mike Novak Show. Don't forget that you can listen to Mike live on Sundays from 8 to 10 a.m. on Chicago's Progressive Talk, a.m. and f.m. Ladies and gentlemen, a letter from one of my listeners. <clears throat> Hi, Mike. On Friday, as I repotted perennials and watched the rain, I was getting bored and my mind began to wander. Finding slugs in some things I started to think about slugs playing sports, specifically football. Here was my game as far as I have it worked out. There are two teams, shells and skins. The game is known to move rather slowly. The best part of the game is the kicking of a field goal. A set of goal posts are set up and then the kicker positions the ball in the best spot for his kick. This can take a few minutes. Once the ball is in place, the kicker moves back a few inches. This can also take a few minutes. When ready, he rushes toward the ball. He lifts the ball with his antennae and lofts it up through the goalpost to score points. Sometimes the game can contain tragedy. If a player misses catching a ball, he may be hit by it and get smashed. If that happens, a brief but respectful service is held immediately on the field, and then a crew of groundskeeper ants will drag off the body. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my world and my listeners. Live from the beautiful Showcase Studios on South Pulaski Road, just across the street from the 53A bus stop, and in between Paco's Tacos and Zaka Tacos, it's the Mike Novak Show, Chicago's only locally broadcast green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday right here on Chicago's Progressive Talk, AM and FM. Good planets, hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour of the Mike Novak Show is brought to you by Sid's Greenhouses, Chicagoland's premier garden centers, and by The Care of Trees, our business's people and their love for trees, and by WRD Environmental, creating sustainable landscapes since 1997. Now, here's the man who's greening your world one kilohertz at a time, Mike Novak. everybody wake up you're early <laughs> see most of the time at the, this time of the, well people are totally confused by the whole time change yeah they are and so i figure one of them. let's it, scare it, them and go oh you're early because <laughs> they're all we're all afraid that we're gonna we get it wrong and we're gonna be late for work or oh, church yeah. or whatever actually most people would love to be late for church i think so i think so now, this is my an church. Hour, an hour I'm at the church of Mike Novak. This yeah. is where I come. Uh, don't go so far. <laughs> we, we, could, we could get struck by lightning here. <laughs> uh, good was, morning. Yeah, that was, that was the biggest difference coming in today, that it was so much brighter out. Yeah, we've yeah. got sun. But conversely, tonight at about 4 o'clock, it's done. <laughs> right. We're done for the day. So I'm glad they let the kids go out in Halloween. You know, we'll talk Halloween later because I know you're big Halloween fan. I don't get the whole Halloween thing myself, uh, but 
it seems to be, uh, I talked to somebody, actually I talked to Jack Darren yesterday who's going to be on the program later on. He's the uh, director of uh, Illinois chapter of the Sierra Club. He'll be on after 9 o'clock. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary. They're having a big wingding this Saturday. And guess who's the MC? That's a huge mistake they made there. <laughs> Everything is fine except they asked me to be the MC. So, uh, but I will be out there. It's at the Cook County Forest Preserve District Volunteer Resource Center. That's a mouthful. That's at 6100 North Central Avenue in Chicago. And of course, it's all on uh, my website, mikenovak.net, N O W A K. Go to this week's show. Everything's there, uh, including a report from Rick DeMaio who's going to be on at 8.30 with the weather forecast. He says farmers are in trouble in Illinois. Um, if you thought the weather was bad uh, and you're just a gardener, imagine trying to harvest crops. Mm. And, that, and oh, oh, and, and if, you, if you're at your computer today, you've got to go to my website and see this uh, ma or not, uh, calendar that uh, Rick gave me. Um, it is... Uh, uh, a calendar of how much rain we've had this month and, and which days have had rain. Uh, and um, I want to make sure it's up there. Yeah, there it is. It's under, you click on the link where it says October has been abnormally wet. Abnormal. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's, it's all these days. The, uh, look at this. I'll show you, Heather. Here's the calendar as soon as it pops up. Um, come on, baby. Well, where is it? Why isn't it there? Wouldn't you know? No, it, it goes to the right website. It's just not giving me the calendar. Now, why is that? Oh, there it is. You've got to scroll down. That's why. This is Chicago measurable precipitation in October. And all the green boxes there are days it rained. And some of them, even some of the other ones, have traces of rain. Um, look at that. Look at how much it's rain. It's the whole month. It's the whole month, basically. So uh, Rick will be talking about that and, and, and what farmers are doing about that. But first, uh, somebody who's uh, being very gracious, uh, and I appreciate that, uh, and that is uh, my friend Deborah Shore from uh, the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. Deborah, how are you? Good morning, Mike. I'm well. Good. Uh, and I appreciate you getting up early on a Sunday. Last time you were... Uh, on the show, I was still on at noon. That's a lot easier. Well, I'm happy to come and be with you at any time, Mike. Well, and I appreciate that. And, and um, the reason Deborah's uh, on the show is not not something I did; it's something she did. She she called me, and 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 actually we ran into each other at the Open Lands luncheon, um, uh, which was a, a terrific uh, afternoon where they honored uh, uh, Bill Curtis. Um, and, uh, and, and his partner's name, who I'm blanking on? Donna LaPietra. Yes, Donna LaPietra. And, um, and they also had Rick Bayless there who um, uh, did the keynote, and, and he talked about something I've been talking a lot on the program about, and that's local food, and that we will continue to talk about. And then uh, Deborah uh, pulls me inside and says, hey, we've got these um, uh, public review uh, coming up of the Cook County Watershed Management Ordinance. And, of course, being on top of things, I said, huh? And uh, and you proceeded to explain it to me and uh, send me some information. Uh, but why don't you explain it, since you're a commissioner, uh, why this is important and why people might want to pay attention to this in the next two months? 
Well, Mike, it's fitting that you were talking about rain uh, and how much we had in October because this is a new ordinance that's all about managing stormwater in Cook County. Um, several years ago, the Water Reclamation District received authority as a result of a, a legislation passed by the Illinois General Assembly received authority for managing stormwater in Cook County. And as a result of that, uh, the district has spent several years working with uh, consultants to develop the first, uh, essentially, stormwater ordinance that will t apply to suburban Cook County. Chicago is exempted uh, because of the legislation, but uh, we're, we're working with an intergovernmental agreement with Chicago. But what this ordinance will do is set minimum standards for managing stormwater throughout Cook County. And let me just share with you the first goal of the ordinance, though there are quite a few of them, and that's to protect existing and new development by minimizing the increase of stormwater runoff volume beyond that experienced under pre-development conditions and by reducing peak stormwater flows. That's a mouthful, I know, but what the, the goal of the ordinance is, is several. One, to, to reduce flooding, to protect water quality in our rivers and streams, to protect habitat along the edges of our rivers and streams, and to uh, uh, reduce erosion and sediment in our streams. And so uh, the district, the Water Reclamation District, has now put out what we're calling a watershed management ordinance for public review and comment. And anyone can go to the district's website, which is mwrd.org, and take a look at the ordinance. We've also produced a technical guidance manual which is in a, a companion document uh, providing suggestions of how uh, developers, landowners, uh, and, and homeowners can uh, fulfill the mandates of this ordinance. And we're going to be hosting a series of public meetings starting this coming Wednesday night uh, to invite public comment because we want to hear from as many people as we can what they think of this ordinance, uh, and that public comment period will run through the end of December, and then we will take a look at, at all of the comments that have come in and maybe make some changes if need be, and then the ordinance ordinance will come to our board for adoption. All right. Um, to help you out, uh, Deborah Shore, uh, I have uh, put already all those links to uh, to the MWRD up on my website. Uh, you go to this week's show on MikeNovak.net, and uh, the first link there takes you to the site uh, or the page where the uh, public uh, hearings, uh, they're actually, uh, um, do you call them public hearings? They're Public. Yeah, yeah, they're they're public meeting, public hearing. Um, they will anyone will be invited to speak for three minutes, 
they can also submit written comments to the district, and that address is on our website and will soon be on yours, Mike. Well, it's it's there now. It's uh, okay. it's uh, all the links are there to. Uh, the reclamation district, um, water reclamation district, and um, the first meeting is this uh, November 4th, that's Wednesday, uh, and it covers the north branch of the Chicago River. The location is Glenbrook North High School, 2300 Shermer Road in Northbrook. Uh, and then the next one will be a couple of weeks later, on uh, November 18th, that will cover the lower Des Plaines River, and that will be at Main West High School. Uh, 1755 South Wolf Road in Des Plaines. And the third one will cover Little Calumet River, and that'll be at Thornton Fractional North High School, 755 Pulaski Road in Calumet City. And then you have two tentative meetings, uh, one that will uh, cover the Upper Salt Creek and Poplar Creek, and uh, that's on December 9th, and then on December 16th, the Calumet Sag Channel, and the places are to be determined. And that information, of course, is up on the website. Now, a couple of things that, you know, uh, you say anybody can comment, and, and as you say, you got to keep it brief and you've got to be succinct. This is not a, a place where you come and vent. This is a place where you come and you make suggestions because you've got three minutes, and, and it will help if you've looked at uh, what you guys have put together. Uh, but the thing is, as you pointed out to me, uh, and that I'm warning people, it's, it's not exactly easy reading. Uh, which raises the question, what kind of people do you think uh, should be testifying? Obviously, concerned citizens can be there, but I would imagine uh, businesses and entities, organizations as well. Who do you expect to come and, and comment on this? Well, uh, good point, Mike. And let me just uh, add that all of those meetings will start at 7 p.m. And uh, you, if you don't live within a particular watershed, you're still welcome to come to any of the meetings. It's not restricted to people who live within that watershed. But we have planned them to be at locations in each of the six major watersheds in Cook County. Uh, but depending on your schedule, anybody is welcome to come to any of those meetings. Um, you raise a good point, which is who's interested and who who do we expect to show up and who's going to do the homework and and read through the watershed management ordinance which um you know it's it's, it's pretty intricate it is it's a technical document and uh so i would suggest i know that many of the uh, conservation organizations have been following the development of the ordinance indeed participating in some committee meetings and they may have drafted positions on what they think uh, of the ordinance. So you might advise people to reach out to the Environmental Law and Policy Center or Open Lands or Sierra Club. Uh, I know all of them are interested in uh, how this unfolds. We certainly will be hearing from the mayors and managers of municipalities throughout Cook County. Uh, we may hear from uh, people who have experienced flooding uh, in their basements or even had to evacuate from their homes in the major storm we experienced in September of 2008 and have great concerns about how we manage stormwater uh, in this county. Uh, we're talking to uh, 
Deborah Shore, who's a uh, commissioner of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago, uh, talking about uh, public review of the Cook County Watershed Management Ordinance. Uh, my question about it is, uh, in the past, have we had an ordinance that just wasn't up to snuff, or is this a completely... Uh, a, a new idea to look at how we, we manage our, our stormwater. Um, what is that situation? Mike, I don't think Cook County has ever had a, a countywide stormwater ordinance. DuPage and Lake County have had similar ordinances since the late 1980s, I believe. Uh, but in Cook County, at least 62 of the municipalities do have their own stormwater ordinances, some of which are as stringent or more stringent than what the Water Reclamation District is proposing. And what, and what, what if they have something that is more stringent? What happens at that point? Then any developer or homeowner who is making changes will have to comply with the more stringent standards in that municipality. So you're not going to preempt uh, uh, strong water Ordinances, stormwater no, ordinances. No, this isn't. This will set minimum standards okay. uh, across all municipalities in suburban Cook County, and uh, and most of what our ordinance uh, is proposing is similar to the standards in DuPage and Lake County. So, no municipality will be disadvantaged. Um, by you know somebody saying, well, I'll go next door because they are, have more relaxed standards. If we impose the same standards, uh, then then it will be fair across all borders. Um, okay, and my but my final question is: Is two months really enough time to to get all the public comment we need? Well, it's been out there since uh, September, and I think of certainly we, the full comment period is 90 days. Certainly, if we hear from enough people that they want more time, we can consider extending it. But uh, I certainly think it's ample time and uh, for people to weigh in. Okay. Uh, I, have, I have one more thing before I let you go, and uh, you can have that cup of coffee. Um, where do we stand now um, in disinfecting the Chicago River? I know we're, we're continuing to have hearings on that. When do we expect to have some sort of resolution? Boy, that's a good question, Mike, and I'm no uh, uh, magic. I don't have a magic ball, but um, there are still more hearings scheduled by the Illinois Pollution Control Board. I think that the epidemiological study that the uh, UIC School of Public Health has been conducting of recreational users in the Chicago waterways will be completed and we may have results in the first half of next year. And I don't know if the Pollution Control Board has been waiting to see what those results are, though that's something that the Water Reclamation District has been advocating. My guess is that the Pollution Control Board will issue some kind of um, recommendations or, or regulatory uh, uh, findings uh, next year, but I don't know when. <laughs> it's, it's ongoing. It just, it, it just keeps on happening, and I'm going to continue to follow that. Um, 
Deborah Short, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you uh, getting the word out, and I hope that people take advantage of this opportunity to have a say in uh, how their uh, their government works uh, and uh, and how uh, their water is is managed in Cook County. Um, and uh, good luck with the hearings. And um, if you have any other information you need to get to me, so I can pass it along. Feel free to call. I will. Thanks for the opportunity, Mike. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. This is the Mike Novak Show on Chicago's Progressive Talk, AM and FM. Uh, one thing I want to call to your attention, uh, obviously you're listening to the show now. You don't need to worry about this. But uh, we now have podcasts, uh, full podcasts up on MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K, right on the homepage, right at the top there. You can just click on, you can hear the whole show, uh, assuming that uh, producer Heather Fry gets it edited. And we, only, we only bleep out the really bad stuff, right? Assuming I'll get that edited. I know. She's good about that. But now they're up there, and I have them up by the end of the day Sunday. I uh, usually put them up while I'm watching the Bears game, something like that post them um you're very much a multitasker aren't you mike i'm you know when i'm doing the website stuff saturdays is football saturday lately with me sorry about michigan oh (laughs) well i guess i'll just have to turn off your mic just got to turn it off there some sorry some people just can't leave well enough alone can they that was such an upset though i was so proud of the no i saw that one coming if you're a michigan fan you saw that one coming oh yeah yeah, i don't that was the the light at the end of the tunnel was the train coming right at you (laughs) yeah absolutely saw that one a zillion miles away because if you if you if you're a michigan rooter you expect the worst to happen usually in the championship game (laughs) That you know, I I I I, <laughs> I was around for the Bo Schembechler years, and everybody talks about a, a great coach and everything. He always managed to lose the big game. It was usually a bowl game. He could beat Ohio State. That was that was good. <laughs> but uh, everything else was just uh, pretty awful. So, but you've got the football on, and you're on your pot. You're doing the website, and, and like, and are I, you you know what? Are you gardening at the same time? Because yeah. I just en- I just envision you like like. With like 13 things around you all happening at once. Yeah. The, if you ever got bored, I think you'd explode. Um, I do tend to multitask. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's a good way to do web stuff because web stuff is just sort of mindless. Well, actually, that's not completely mindless because I'm usually writing and putting links up there. But link, putting links up, that's that's mindless. Putting the sentences together, then I have to turn the sound down on the TV and try not to watch Michigan fumble. <laughs> <laughs> So all of you uh, Illini fans, uh, congratulations. If you had to beat up on somebody, why well, couldn't, no, why couldn't would, it be I, Ohio I State? I was tricky, trick-or-treating with my son, and my son's father is a native Detroit, out of Warren, Michigan as well. So we had that on, and he was just like, oh, the horror. You know, it was pretty funny. All I have to say, it's, it's a good thing my mom's not around to see it. So, <laughs> so um, we're coming up on the holiday season. And guess who has the goods on the November-December issue of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine? Well, I'm sitting in the driver's seat right here. And what would a holiday issue be without some tips on easy, fabulous, and inexpensive decorative ideas for the season? My editor, Carolyn Ulrich, has pages and pages of inspiration. Have you ever heard of the term permaculture? Beth Botts, who occasionally co-hosts this show, explains what it means and how anybody can walk the permaculture walk. 
And a lot of you might know about the Joliet Arsenal. It's not about ammunition anymore. The 19,000 acres there are slowly but surely being turned into Medewin Tall Grass Prairie. Have you ever been there, Heather? No, I can't. You gotta go. I'd love it's, to. It's really awesome. Uh, the full story is in Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. Of course, there are regular features like what to do in the garden, and there's always something to do uh, all, all year round. You can always find some gardening tasks to do, whether it's indoor or outdoor gardening. Uh, and now you can find Chicagoland Gardening Magazine all over Chicagoland. In fact, more than 800 new newsstand locations have been added in the last couple of months. And get your voice warmed up. My annual holiday hort sing-along features your favorite carols with gardening lyrics. Did you... Uh... I read through it. It was wonderful. Oh, you like that, It was that, wonderful. Huh? I was giggling wholeheartedly. It was great. <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to sing some of those. Um, the week before... Thanksgiving, so I don't know what the date is on that. That's Sunday before then. What, what, what is that? The 22nd? 22nd, yes, the 22nd. The Frozen Robins are going to be here in studio, my caroling group. We are going to regale you with holiday carols, and we're going to sing some of those carols that I put the uh, goofy gardening words I'm to. I'm bringing video. I'm, that'll go. We're are, putting are video. Gonna, gonna, I'll bring video. We'll should video we have tape the, it. The, the, the webcam going? Yeah, oh, that, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, pick up a copy of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine today, or better yet, subscribe. You can find it on the web at www.chicagolandgardening.com or give the office a call during business hours at 866-806-1498. Tell them that Mike sent you. The Saints of Mastering Players present Edgar Lee Masters' Spoon River Anthology, a new adaptation with original songs by Jonathan Haglock. Characters from Masters' fictional town deliver monologues that serve as epitaphs on topics including their lives, loves, triumphs, and tragedies. Spoon River Anthology runs through November 15. Mention WCPT at the door and save $5 on a full-price ticket. Call 773-404-7922 or email tickets at saintsebastianplayers.org. Sundays are a day for family, and at Chicago's Progressive Talk, we couldn't agree more. Join us from 2 to 4 each Sunday for Family Values with Anoy Bay, presented by Joey's Brickhouse. Try the meatball casserole. Joey, Joey's brother Greg, brutally frank, and of course, Barbara as the voice of rational thought. It's a two-hour trek into the family dynamic. More like a case study, really. Tune in and hear political talk with the family. Family Values with Anoy Bay, now Sundays at 2 p.m. on Chicago's Progressive Talk, AM and FM. It's the Rick DeMaio theme, because he's such a cheerful guy. And there he is on line one. And guess what, Rick? It's exactly 8.30, and here you are on the radio. How are you, Mike? I'm... I'm good. Are you not cheerful? Oh, well, you know, you know what? It's one of those mornings where I woke up, and um, unfortunately, I did not have enough coffee to put in the coffee maker, so I'm having tea. <laughs> now, wait a second. Last week, you had no cream for your coffee. <laughs> you had no milk or whatever you put in it. Now you've got no coffee. Next week, there will be no cups in the house. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an alarming trend in the wrong direction, isn't it? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it is. Rick DeMaio weather, uh, as always, at 8.30 on the Mike Novak Show. And uh, you know what I figured happened last night? You probably ate too much candy, didn't you, little boy? Um, no, I didn't eat too much candy, but um, I did partake in some... You know, sweets of the adult variety. So, ah, uh, uh, well, as yeah, did I, Rick. Yeah, my as producer. Did I. I get texted by my producer about six a.m., and you can even see through the text. You can hear her voice. It's, uh, I'm on my way, Mike. I'll, I'll, I'm really. I'll be there. I just, I just I wanted sent to make sure. I an email warning you beforehand. You were duly warned. So, yeah, yeah, we get that text. That, Don't worry, I'll be there before the show starts. I envision it like Dr. Frankenstein. Like it's alive. <laughs> Yeah. This is, this is even with the extra hour of sleep, Heather. You still haven't really gotten it going yet, huh? No. Oh, I, I have tell coffee, you, though. I'm lucky. I have the, coffee. The extra hour of sleep saved me last it night. Helped, it helped considerably. I'm far better shaped than I would have been without it. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, well, I got a late start on, on doing the stuff. Had to pick Kathleen up the airport. And, uh, you know, I get home and I go, you know what? I haven't even started any of this prep for tomorrow's show. I guess I better get going. <laughs> So, yes, my late. Saturdays, my, I don't have fun on Saturdays. My weekends are are totally about work, except for, you know, watching Michigan lose. <laughs> That's yeah, no I fun, though. Bring that up, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. It's, al it's already been bad. brought up. It's 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 yeah. a done deal here. Are uh, you an Illini fan, Rick? Coming. Uh, no, I went to Wisconsin, Mike. Wow. They're they yeah. actually having a pretty good season. Yeah, they're all right. You know, they, they unfortunately they lost to Ohio State and also to um, Iowa. And those are the two teams I was hoping that they would do a little bit better against. So, you know, my, feel, my feeling at this point is we got to all root for Iowa. We all got to put our – because nobody – come on, let's face it. Nobody in the Midwest wants Florida or Texas or Alabama to be anywhere near the national championship, although one of them would probably – Take it. it was right. nice to see USC get beat up last night and smacked around a little yeah, bit. They that did. that they was got, nice. They got smacked around pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Rick, this is a sports, sports segment. Huh? This is the sports it's segment, too, you know. It was Sunday, you know. It's a sports day, and all the people sure. who hate sports are, are rapidly going away. So let's talk weather. Well, no, no. Um, yeah, you know what? We, we, you kind of mentioned it off at the top of the show there. Um, some of that information that I provided with you, which was, which was really provided from the National Weather Service, but still, I mean, it was interesting stuff when you look at it from a calendar standpoint, how many wet days we had um, in the month of October. Oddly enough, I mean, we didn't have the wettest October on record for Chicago. It ended up being the ninth wettest but for, the, for the state. How is that even possible that it was not the wettest October on record? Well, because most of the rain came down in, in small increments. We had, you know, half inch here, three quarters of an inch there. Um, and there were several days where we had, like, maybe a tenth of an inch. So that, that kind of stuff isn't really going to add up too much, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to if you have, you know, 19 days of, of rain in July, uh, probably half of that is going to be at least an inch or two because thunderstorms tend to do that. So you can easily have, you know, 12 inches of rain during a, you know, during a warm month as opposed to a cool month. But um, uh, the evaporation rate this month was extremely low, because we basically didn't have much in the way of any sunshine. So that was one of the reasons why they were concerned about flooding the other day. Yeah. The ground, even though it wasn't completely saturated, um, we just didn't have enough chance to really dry out the soil. So whatever rain was in there, whatever water was in there in the top three or four inches wasn't going away. Uh, but fortunately enough, we didn't get as much rain 
um, as you know, as some of the numerical models were suggesting. The problem, though, um, and I may have missed this at, at at the top of the show. I don't know if you mentioned the deal about the uh, the farmers right now. I haven't. I, I did tease it a little bit, uh, and it's up on my website. And by the way. Uh, uh, I mentioned this at the top of the show as well. If you want to see that calendar of uh, rainfall in October, go to uh, MikeNovak.net, click onto this week's show, and about the middle of the page, I've got the information that uh, Rick DeMaio sent. Uh, and if you click on the words, October has been abnormally wet, uh, you will see this calendar and you will realize how many days it rained. And what was interesting about the calendar, Rick, also is that um, most of it's green, indicating right, that. Right. But it, and there are even some days that say trace. So we even had right. on days that are not colored in Pickable. green. Correct. Yeah. Right. So uh, there's. Let me count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And I guess yesterday would didn't we did not get any rain, right? Or did we get a trace? Right. No, we did not. Not since midnight hour. Yeah. All right. So nine. There were only nine days in which we didn't get at least a trace of rain. Last right, month. right. And really, all you need to do is count up the days that we didn't, and then div- and then subtract that from thirty-one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how many we had. So, uh, and you mentioned to me, and you wrote to me that uh, Illinois farmers are having a tough time. Uh, awful, yeah, absolutely awful, Mike. It, it's bad. And uh, where do you get the, your information from in, with the Illinois farmers? Um, this was from uh, Kevin Wancho, who's president of John Clark Farms. He farms about 5,000 acres of corn and soybean um, down in um, uh, Will County. And uh, when I was out at um, NIU the other day, I was talking to Dave Shagman, who's a, a professor of climate. And, you know, the uh, USDA had mentioned that this was going to be the second best, you know, uh, crop, you know, near record crop for corn in the United States. But he said they better revise that because... That was, it was basically more of a projection of what was planted or what was mature, but so much of the corn right now, uh, not, not the sweet corn, the stuff we eat, but the feed corn, that's the stuff that, you know, basically gets used for, you know, cereal, cereal products, bread products, um, you know, animal feed basically goes back into the bellies of the pigs and the cows. Um, only about 12 to 15 percent of that, um, has been harvested. Uh, across much of the Midwest due to the fact that we've had so much rain. And, again, it's not so much the amount of rain, but it's the days of rain, which is why that calendar is so important. It's the days that we did not get um, sunshine and uh, strong enough west winds to dry the, um, the corn out. So, therefore, what happens is instead of taking the corn off the stalks and bringing it in, into the bin, um, they have to stay in the they have to stay in the field before they, you know, bring them in, obviously, because if they bring them in, they have to dry them out. And that's... That's actually pretty expensive. So the bottom line is this. Usually they finish harvesting by about the 31st of October. This is this one particular farmer who owns about 5,000 acres, which is quite a bit. Um, two fields out of 30 have been harvested so far, which, if you do your math, is about 6%. That's not good. Um, the corn moisture, there's ways that they measure it. It's more of a subjective interpretation. Uh, it's about 35%, which is too wet. Normally they prefer moisture content of about 15, um, if they would if they would harvest or if they would have to harvest right away. In other words, if there was like a snowstorm coming in with two or three days of you know sub freezing weather, obviously that would destroy whatever is out there. Uh, if they would have to bring that in and let it dry out, it wouldn't be able to do it because believe it or not, the, one of the, the larger bins where they actually dry the corn out just had a fire recently, 
and is completely unusable. So they're kind of in, in, in a bind here because um, the, the corn crop is not harvested. The soybean crop is only about 25%. Uh, and, and this is all due to the fact that, if you remember last spring, uh, we had a very, very wet beginning to the spring. Right. They didn't have enough, right? They didn't have enough days where we really were able to get the, the corn going. Because sometimes, even if you have a wet spring and you have a really hot summer, the corn goes, okay, this is great. I'll start to accelerate, accelerate my growth. But that didn't happen. So then we had a late end of the season. And now, due to the fact that it's been cool and wet, the farmers basically can't take what they grew out of the field and bring it back in to get their money's worth. So they're in a real, real bind right now. You are, by the way, if I know the, our signals uh, reaches uh, around the Chicago area, mm-hmm. um, we, you know, we've got a transmitter out in DeKalb. Uh, I'm wondering if any farmers are listening and can give us some statistics on what they're dealing with. Uh, give us a call, 773-838-9278, or n- not statistics, but anecdotal uh, stories about uh, dealing with uh, the wet weather and harvest. 773-838-WCPT. I'd love to hear from you. Um, you Now, you wrote something. Is it just for this one farm or farms in general? You said, all right, and, and I took this from the email you sent me. Uh-huh. Uh, you said, if no further wet weather occurs during November and December. Yeah, right. like, like that's going to happen. Right. Um, the anticipated completion of harvest will not happen until December 31st. Uh, that's the end of the year. <laughs> that's, that's December 31st. Did, did you really mean that? No, that, that, that's true, because there, there are times when farmers may leave, um, they, they may leave their, uh, their, their crops, in the field until they get a super freeze, uh, but there's been times we've had you know warm weather all the way through November and even into uh, December. But um, uh, now this is this is the last bit of corn that comes out of the field. There there have been times and there's been corn out in the field and they just leave it out there and it basically becomes you know basically frozen you know hard kernels which they may use for something else. Because trust me, they 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 can use corn just about anything. Cornsicles. Um, yeah, right. Uh, now, that's really pushing it. That's really, really stretching it from yeah. that standpoint. But seriously, they have about eight weeks of work to do in the next two to three weeks. That, that's pretty much how. It, that's pretty much what, what they're looking at right now. Uh, the wait, wait, wait. Say, those, say, say that again. They've got... They have, about, they have about eight weeks of work to do in the next two to three weeks. <laughs> and, um, there seems to be a problem with that. My math, uh, my math tells me that they won't get it done. Well, that's exactly right. What, what now? Normally, when you when you think about what a farmer has to do, they have a certain amount of a certain amount of, of machinery, a certain amount of of resources as far as farm hands go. So basically, if you only have enough resources and enough people to do a week of work, quote, if you look at that from the standpoint of how much time you can put in the field, if you double the machinery and double the amount of farm hands you have, then you can get two weeks of work done in a week. You follow what I'm saying? you would have to actually increase the amount of resources that you have, and that obviously costs money. So this is all about supply and demand and what you can and what you cannot do with the, with the, with the actual budget that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so, so they're, they're in a bit of a bind, and, and it's not so much um, northern Illinois, but it's central and, and southern Illinois as well, because that's really where most of the rain has been. There, have been. there are some sections down just to the east of St. Louis, that had uh, anywhere between 11 and 12 inches of rain this month. Oddly enough, northern Illinois has had the least amount of rain. We've averaged 
anywhere between about, say, 5 and 7 inches from DeKalb over to Lake County, south of Cook County. Um, but obviously in, in northern sections of the state, it's been a little bit cooler and a little bit cloudy, but still, um, it's really difficult to harvest when you have about 12 inches of rain that has come down in the last, you know, 30 days. The soil is wet, the fields are wet. Um, when you get out there and you start to get the plows into the fields and they get stuck in the mud, that slows you down as well. So all of these things are actually put into somewhat of a subjective equation that the farmers use for what they can get done uh, during a certain amount of time. Remember now with sunset at 4.45, your days are ending at 4.30, maybe even 4 o'clock. That's why we talk about the harvest moon. That, that yeah, but, but with a farmer, you, you just get up earlier. And you do it in the morning well, when the sun well, isn't. Yeah, but still, but you know, your sunlight is getting shorter, so all these things kind of factor in. So, yeah. Um, again, I'm I'm talking about this from a scientific, technical standpoint. If there are any farmers out there who give one even more, you know, um, a better interpretation of what they do as far as the field workers is concerned, that's that's probably where you really want to hear that from the horse's mouth, so to say. Uh, uh, the flip side of this is I talked to Wally Schmidtke over at Pesci's Nursery yesterday. And he told me that his lettuce crops are rocking. I mean, oh, his yeah. his fall lettuce and 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 of course, um, spring and fall are a good time to put uh, cool weather crops, pea crops, uh-huh. like lettuce and spinach and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, uh, he said uh, they look great, and the weather's been perfect for them. So you know, it's it, it, one man's uh, feast is another man's famine, or vice versa. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we got a phone call here uh, from uh, Bernie in uh, LaPorte County, Indiana. Bernie, is that right? Right. I'm on the road heading to Chicago. But, uh, you know, it just seems two things I want to ask, uh, Rick. You know, I, I look at all these farmers with these pumping the water out of the ground. Is that the thing to worry about for the future in LaPorte County? And number two... I seen in the paper the other day that uh, the government is giving grants for uh, new corn dryers. Is that going to change the picture any? There was a guy in there that he was on the front page of the Laporte paper. He got he has farmed 5,000 acres and they gave him a grant to buy one of these new corn dryers. Uh, let's well, let's Bernie uh, going to your first question. Um, what I want to get off the phone so I can hear. Him. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for calling. Uh, but my quick question. Whoop. Lost him. All right. I was going to ask him what he meant exactly by that. Do you have an idea, Rick? Well, it sounded like what he was talking about was pumping water out of the ground in regards to um, obviously using you know the local aquifers. You know uh, what type of irrigation, uh, what type of well system they have. Uh, whether or not there's been some sort of, um, you know, local ordinances on how much, you know, farmers can use from a standpoint of, you know, taking water out of the ground. I know there's, there's always, I think if Deborah Schor was on the phone right now, she would say, okay, well, you know, water is for everybody, but obviously agricultural purposes come first. I'm not too sure what, what the details are for LaPorte County, um, but I know that obviously when we get into a drought situation, the first thing they say is, okay, you can't wash your car and you can't water your lawn, but yet farmers are still able to use um, whatever water that they can get to um, if they're allowed to. So I'm not too sure exactly what Bernie was referring to there in Laporte County. Yeah, that's why I wanted to try to get him uh, to, to clarify uh, that. I was wondering if he was speaking of contamination of water, perhaps, from farms. I don't know. Um, 
that, 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 yeah, that, that discussion can go in a, different, a couple of different directions. But, but it's, it's interesting hard. that, you know, I start off with uh, talking to uh, Deborah Shore about the Cook County Watershed Management Ordinance, which is uh, having public review now through the end of the year. Uh, and this is how to manage water in Cook County, um, you know, uh, to prevent flooding, to, uh, to ma- uh, manage the quality of water and habitat. And uh, and then uh, at the same time, you write to me about farmers dealing with water and how hard it is, you know, and it's all tied in. It's it's right. <laughs> it's amazing how these things come together. Listen, uh, I have a couple other things I want to talk to you about. Sure. Um, uh, I want you to hang on. Uh, I'll do some business. And mm-hmm. I uh, saw an article. And, and and Heather, forgive me for this, but it, it was on Facebook. All right, that's one of my friends. Actually, she loves that. You, you. By the way, Heather, you spend way too much time on Facebook. Oh, it's just on all the time. When my kid's playing, I'll update it and go then do something else. It's yeah. just always well, on. Well, I, I got a really uh, interesting article that I think you'll find interesting too, uh, Rick DeMille, Uh and we'll get to that. And and actually, a forecast. Um, in, right. in the next 10 minutes. Uh, on a but, day when it's sunny out. <laughs> on a day when it's sunny out. Uh, but first, there are many reasons that you should visit your friends at SIDS Greenhouses, and there are many reasons that you should visit them on the web at SIDSonline.com. That's all you have to remember, SIDSonline.com. For instance, uh, there are their monthly garden reminders. If you click on Now, you find fall tips on how to save seeds, from your most desirable annuals, perennials, and vegetables, how to winterize your pond, and how to overwinter your plants and fish, and how to improve your soil for next year's garden by adding organic matter now. By the way, if you need to replace any of your indoor plants, this is the week to do it. SIDS is featuring 25% savings on greenhouse plants, uh, including tropicals, lucky bamboo, herbs, and exotics, plus decorative ceramic pots, and pottery to give your indoor garden a new look. They're buy one, get one free. SIDS has hundreds of styles and colors available. And now that Halloween is history, check out SIDS Christmas Shop. See, we just lurch from one holiday to the other, don't we? And they seem to forget about poor Thanksgiving. I know. I feel, I feel bad for Thanksgiving. I know. This is... And I hate the way the, the FM band will start the Christmas music before Thanksgiving. That makes me angry. It's like the second the <laughs> turkey's been eaten and you're cleaning off the carcass, then you can turn the Thanksgiving Christmas music on. don't get no respect. It doesn't. Uh, but if you want the Christmas decorations, check out Sid's Christmas Shop, which is 30% off this week. Sid's Chicagoland's premier garden centers are located in Palos Hills on Southwest Highway and in Bolingbrook on Naper Plainfield Road at Hassard Boulevard. Uh, here's a tip from the Care of Trees. As you know, fall weather comes in like a dove and goes out like a wolverine, unless they're playing Illinois. Anyway, I had to throw that in. <laughs> Uh, the point is that storms can snap tree limbs or even take down a tree. Do you know that the Care of Trees has 24-hour emergency service? The weight of storm-damaged trees is great, and they can be very dangerous to remove or prune. And if they've fallen on cars, other structures, or even other trees, maybe especially on other trees, that complicates removal even more. The Care of Trees offers 24-hour emergency service to assist in performing the job safely while minimizing further risk to your property. With nine locations, the Care of Trees has been serving Chicagoland for 60 years. I have to tell you, I had one of the Care of Trees people come out to my block, my my weird gang-ridden block, and take a look 
at a tree down at uh, the corner. My uh, friend uh, Sean Kingzet from the Care of Trees. There's a mulberry at the end of the block in a lot, and one of the branches has separated. And I said, Sean, will you come and take a look at that? And he said, absolutely. And he did. And he's going to give me a report. We're going to send it to the city, and we're going to get that sucker cut down. Uh, Just the branch of the whole tree. Well, the probably the tree, because he says it's it's. Well, I have to see the report, but he said there's he fears another branch is going to come down this time on the sidewalk or on the street and hurt somebody. So, this is why you need to give the care of trees a call. They are great people. Uh, invite the certified arborists at the care of trees to take a look at your yard. See the care of trees dot com or call eight four seven three nine four. 4220-847-394-4220, the care of trees. Their business is people and their love for trees. This is the Mike Novak Show on Chicago's Progressive Talk AM and FM. Happy November. I guess this is um, All Saints Day. Is uh, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm all about Actually, yesterday. Yeah, she's all still about Halloween. Oh, I know. I still got makeup under my eyes. I couldn't get it all off. This you see, morning. when I when I was a kid, I always liked it when the uh, the holy days fell on a Sunday because it's a double dip. It's like, all right, don't, <laughs> don't have to go to church. On uh, uh, especially, uh, Rick DeMaio's on the phone, and I'm. Probably getting him in trouble by talking like that, but um, <laughs> no, you're not. Oh, okay. Um, I wanted to tell you about this article that uh, I saw actually on uh, Facebook. Uh, uh, a guy posted it, and I really liked it uh, because we've been talking about this a lot. Uh, the headline is from the Associated Press is: "Statisticians reject global cooling idea." Uh, here's I'm going to read some of this. Um, well, cooling. Reject global cooling idea. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, and the story goes like this: Have you, uh, by the way, Seth uh, Borenstein or Borenstein, however you pronounce it, uh, have you heard that the world is now cooling instead of warming? You may have seen some news reports on the internet or heard about it from a provocative new book. Only one problem: it's not true, according to an ana- uh, anal- an analysis. Hello, of the numbers done by several independent statisticians for the Associated Press. The case that the Earth might be cooling partly stems from recent weather. Last year was cooler than previous years. It's been a while since the super hot years of 1998 and 2005. So is this longer climate trend or just weather's normal ups and downs? In a blind test, the AP gave temperature data to four independent statisticians and asked them to look for trends without telling them what the numbers represented. The experts found no true temperature declines over time. If you look at the data and sort of cherry-pick a micro-trend within a bigger trend, that technique is particularly suspect, said John Grego, a professor of statistics at the University of South Carolina. Yet the idea that things are cooling has been repeated in opinion columns. A BBC news story posted on the Drudge Report and in a new book by the authors of the best-selling Freakonomics. Last week, a poll by the Pew Research Center found that only 57% of Americans now believe there is strong scientific evidence for global warming, down from 77% in 2006. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
the I, I, I saw that I saw that poll as well, and you know I, I say this I, I gave a climate workshop at Elmhurst College last Saturday, and I said the same thing. I go, you know what? If you take that poll at the end of a hot summer, then the numbers will go up. You take that poll at the end of a cool summer, the numbers go down. It's all short-term thinking, Mike. It's basically what it is at that point. You know, it's interesting. I have it... Regard for those kind of for those kind of. Um, uh, numbers when you're coming out of a particularly cool season when actually temperatures globally were, were above average, above the long-term average. It happened to be the Northeast and the Midwest that was actually cooler. If you ask people in Washington State and California, they would say the opposite. So, again, this, this, all this does is it just helps muddle the whole process of understanding how the Earth is connected, you know, it, with, between, the, between the, um, the terrestrial part and the hydrosphere part and trying to understand how it all kind of fits together in a long-term sustainable manner. So I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why those things are even, are even discussed because it, 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 it begins to, you know, we lose sight of the fact that things do still need to be talked about and understood more long-term. So. Well, you know, that's, that's an interesting question. You know, we, uh, uh, we, and I guess I have to include myself in the media, do a disservice by having a poll that asks people whether they believe in global warming. Uh, no, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you're, you're basically testing the waters and you're seeing that, you know, if people think this way, then that means you have to work even harder at trying to make a complicated issue uh, simpler. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Really okay, don't. all right, well, yeah, but, but the thing is, anybody can have an opinion. Wrong as oh, it may course, be, yeah. oh, and course, and then yeah. and then you get these people who are in positions of authority, or at least they're not even positions of authority. They're just people that uh, uh, listen um, uh, to. They're they're people who are listened to, and then they say stuff just to to get ratings mm -hmm. or be outrageous, and uh, and people go, oh yeah, maybe there isn't global warming because so and so <laughs> said so. Uh, and the other thing that the, the article said that you can, as I said earlier, you can cherry pick the years. Uh, Greg uh, produced three charts to show how choosing a starting date can alter perceptions. Mm -hmm. Using the skeptics satellite data beginning in 1998, so starting in 1998, there is a mild downward trend, he said, but doing that is deceptive. The trend disappears if the analysis starts in 1997, and, if, and it trends upward if you begin in 1999. So, you know, 1998 was the, a really hot year, so if you go one year either side of it and start your calculations, mm -hmm. you can make anything look plausible. Right, yeah, you know, and, and I, I, brought up the, um, I brought up the example of, I, I talked to my students last week, and I said, okay, if you go into the end of the NFL season after 16 Games and someone gives you two teams, two teams to choose from, and you had no idea what their season was like, game to game. You just see that their records are eight and eight. Okay, um, who are you going to put money on to go into the playoffs? But I know that one of those teams started out zero and eight, and finished eight and zero, and the other team started out eight and zero and finished up zero and eight. Okay, so it's not so much how it's changing, but what type of variability happened between the change points. Was one of those teams uh, the Bears by any chance? So. <laughs> hey, let, let, all right, uh, uh, real quickly, because we, uh, we've got uh, just a minute I, left. I Bernie, Bernie's come. No, that's okay. Bernie's come back. Bernie, what's your question real quick? Well, in LaPorte County, you know, years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I was coming up from Kokomo on Route 31, and I spotted my first buzzard. Now... And I never seen them. I was raised in Chicago, never seen buzzards before. Now they are all over Laporte County. Mm -hmm. Is that? A, I mean, they're a warm climate animal, and they leave 
when the weather gets cold? And it seems like they're hanging around longer. That's an interesting question. And then I realize we never got to the corn dryer grant question either, but we've got 30 seconds. Uh, <laughs> Rick, do you have any, anything? I'm going to get off the phone. All right, I'll talk to you, Bernie. Thanks for calling. Um, um, what about I'll Buzz? I'll give you a quick, yeah, quick five-second answer. If the government is, is able to subsidize something that helps farmers do their job better, I'm all for it. Um, as far as the buzzards being around longer, um, yeah, that's definitely a, a very, very good indication of the fact that the climate's been warming. Um, and if you want to get to the forecast real quick, Mike. Yes, real uh, quick. Spend, uh, sunshine, get out and enjoy two hours before clouds move in. Uh, you'll be fine. Temperatures in the low 50s eventually today. You got 10 off seconds. Often on low <laughs> 50s for the next three or four days, but no significant rain for a week, Mike. That sounds great. Rick DeMaio weather here at 830 every week on the Mike Novak Show. I'll talk to you next week, Rick. Okay, Mike. Bye, Eddie. Welcome back. It's Hour 2 of the Mike Novak Show, Chicago's only locally broadcast green gardening and environment program. This hour of the Mike Novak Show is brought to you by SIDS Greenhouses, Chicagoland's premier garden centers, and by The Care of Trees, our business's people and their love for trees, and by WRD Environmental, creating sustainable landscapes since 1997. Here he is once again, Mike Novak. And didn't we just talk about that in the past hour? I think so. <laughs> See, you said it all comes together. It's all connected. Well, sometimes there's actually a little planning behind it, too. Uh, you know, I choose the music here. <laughs> Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show. Let's remind people, because we were going to do that uh, all during the show, that we now have podcasts up uh, on MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W. A.K. Uh, of the whole show. So you miss it on Sunday or you miss part of it, you can call it up on your computator and uh, listen uh, in the dark mm. with a cup of cocoa on a cold night. Uh, and um, later on, did we find a... Uh, I found a couple. I, I was, you know, what's here's this is what's annoying is when I, I find stories that I want to call to our attention on the show, and I put the links on my, uh, send, mail them to myself, so I have them here at the station, and then you click the link, and they say, that link is broken. Well, I we just looked at it yesterday. How can it be broken now? Uh, later on, I, I want to talk about the, uh, the harvest at uh, the White House. They 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 produced some. They had like 900 pounds of food or something that really? they, uh, they got out of the garden. Good yeah, for them. that's why I'm trying to find this particular story. Um, it was in politicsdaily.com. Okay, it's here. Is it that says, the one? This is a different one, but it says before Thursday the garden already had produced more than 740 pounds of food. Mrs. Obama said bringing the total for the year to more than 960 pounds. Yeah, just amazing. And some has been served at White House events. And, and and one of the things I wanted to get to at the end of the last hour, we were having that discussion about farmers, and you know, Rick was saying if they can get the money to do the corn uh, drying 
he's all for it. I, I would take issue with that because, uh, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't be growing so much corn. This is uh, something that the Illinois... Um, well, that's what, and where my family's cabins are in northwest Wisconsin, a lot of the local farmers there complain that they're being forced to grow corn by the government. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. It's, and Believe me, and that's something that we're going to be talking about more and more on this show about the uh, local food farm and jobs council, which is going to be appointed by Governor Quinn before the end of the year. And the idea is to get Illinois farmers to be able to grow crops we can eat. Wow, there's a radical idea. Isn't that shocking? Yeah. Instead of pouring <laughs> Instead of all this... stockpiling it and trying to turn it into gasoline. Well, yeah, gasoline and feed for cows, which really should be eating grass and that sort of yeah. thing. Can yeah, yeah. any living creature digest corn fully? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, it's not good for cows. It's You know, if, all you got to do is read the Michael Pollan's The Omnivore's Dilemma. And understand that. And and that's another story that I, I want to talk about later on. And, you know, half the time I don't get to these. I tease people with these and then I never get to them. I'm writing it uh, down. Write it down. Well, I've got the link to that. I wonder if that link is also broken. The link to what? There's a Michael Pollan was kind of disinvited to speak at Cal Poly because one of the largest beef producing ranches in the West uh, which is a big contributor to Cal Poly, said, hey, why is that guy speaking? And they caved in. Uh, yeah. So I got I have the story on that. Um, as, as a matter of fact, uh, somebody who sent me the, that information, and this happened a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I had missed the story. And a friend of mine sent it to me under the subject line, who's afraid of Michael Pollan? Well... The big bad beef. But I guess so. <laughs> and it's well, they went after Oprah a couple of years ago when she said that, you know, she wouldn't eat hamburgers anymore after getting scared by mad cow disease, and they tried to sue her for it. Uh, that's true. Uh, how did that turn out? Did they settle out of court or no, something? No, she won. Did she won that she one? She won. Yeah, that's right. She won that one, didn't she? She was down in Texas. She I couldn't remember what it happened. Texas. They had a gag order on her. That's you, right. You're telling a talk show host she can't talk? Eee. Well... <laughs> Um, yeah, um, that's, you know, it was interesting because I talked about uh, Bill Curtis and Donna LaPietra being at the, uh, the Open Lands luncheon the other week and being honored by Open Lands, and they have their grass farm. Oh, you found the, the article on... Well, this is the L.A. Times on the Michael Pollan. Yeah, and I saw it in the uh, New York Times, and so it's kind of interesting. Uh, so we, we'll get into that later. Uh... This is the Mike Novak Show on Chicago's Progressive Talk AM and FM. Let's get uh, let's get our next guest on the phone. Um, and uh, meanwhile, since 1997, WRD Environmental has been creating healthy, sustainable landscapes that are both beautiful and responsible to future generations. You could say WRD is in the business of transformation. Sometimes it's through projects like the Lincoln Park South Pond, for which WRD is part of a team that is turning the zoo's popular pond into a model for sustainable landscape solutions, habitat restoration, and environmental learning. Other times it's through leadership and organizations like the Midwest Ecological Landscaping Association, which is helping to green up the landscape industry so that sustainable design materials and methods are the professional standard. 
Sometimes the uh, transformations are of people themselves. WRD is a partner with the Chicago Department of the Environment in managing Green Core Chicago, which provides job training in the green industry, electronics recycling, and home weatherization. Here's the bottom line for innovative, sustainable transformations. Choose WRD Environmental, located at the Chicago Center for Green Technology and online at wrdenvironmental.com. Everything is planned on this show, Heather. I play the ballroom music when uh, we are going to... Which line is that? Line A, line one, to talk to Jack Darren about a big party next week. How you doing, Jack Darren? Good morning. I'm great. Great. Um, he is the director of the Illinois chapter of Sierra Club. Is it? It's just director, not executive director. What's the deal on that? Yeah, no highfalutin titles here, just director. <laughs> well, I, I, I knew if, you, if your title had uh, five or six words in it, you would have no authority and no power at all. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's the way. Well, that's no. You should be uh, flattered because you know the longer the title, the 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 less you have to do with running anything, basically. Yeah, and I think it's it's actually part of Syracuse culture. Is we really are a volunteer-driven organization. I'm, I'm, I and our small staff are here to, to work with them and for them as opposed to uh, the other way around. And do you go, uh, when you knock on doors, do you say, I'm from the Sierra Club and I'm here to help? Um, I'm here to save the planet. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. You're here to, to save the planet. That works for me. Um, and, you know, I was amazed when I went online to uh, your website. And, and by the way, Let's let's start off by saying that next week is uh, you're having your big uh, shindig um, uh, commemorating the 50th year of the Sierra Club in Illinois. That's a remarkable achievement, Jack. It is, and it's really news to a lot of people that we've been here for that long. And I, I you know, I, I've been working uh, with the club for 20 of those 50, so it's been really fun for me and and the rest of our our staff and leaders here to look back at what's been going on over the last. Uh, 50 years here have really accomplished a tremendous amount here in the middle of the country for really for not only the local but the the American environmental movement. Uh, and you have on your website you give uh, people a chance to vote on the biggest and best accomplishment. Uh, and and I went down the list and I, and and just some of the stuff I pulled out is amazing. For instance, helping to create the Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore banned logging in uh, Illinois State Parks with uh, an Illinois Supreme Court victory, helped to protect uh, 500 acres of Lake Michigan shoreline at Fort Sheridan, which they just opened um, formally last month. Right. Uh, well, actually, now, it was in September. Um, uh, uh, was You were part of the creation of Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie, which we talked uh, a little bit about earlier. Um, started Safer Pest Control Project. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, great organization. It's one of the, the great things to look back. What are the things, the little fires that you started that have really grown, gone off, in, in the case of Safer Pest Control Project, gone off on their own to do wonderful things? Oh, I, I have them on the show all the time. They helped. Well, you, okay, here's how that works. Uh, Jackie, you might be, uh, I, you may know that I helped found an organism called MILA, the Midwest Ecological Landscaping Association. Sure. Well, Safer Pest Control was our incubator for two years. So we got on our feet because of Safer Pest Control. Safer Pest Control got on its feet because of Illinois Sierra Club. So that's how those things work. It's sort of like your children and great-grandchildren. Yeah, yeah. it is, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, you were instrumental in banning phosphorus from dishwashing detergent in Illinois. I mean, just it goes on and on and on. Uh, all right, let me ask a question, and, and I don't mean to, to, to sucker punch you here, um, but... When I'm in, when you're in this business on, on my side of the business, uh, and 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 also when you read blogs and you you read accounts, some people I would think look at Sierra Club and they go, ah, yeah, those crazy tree huggers, those crazy lefties. Do you do you have to fight that kind of an image? Less so uh, these days. I think you know when I started 20 years ago, maybe a little bit people would wonder why Sierra Club was here in Illinois. You know we. The name Sierra uh, comes from the Sierra Nevada mountain range where we originated, founded by John Muir in 1892. Um, but I think that it's just seen over the last uh, couple of decades and really especially the last few years where uh, green themes, ideas have really been incorporated increasingly into, um, into everyday life. I mean, when I first started one of our solid waste issues were really big, trying to get people to realize that recycling was a good thing to do. You know, and, and up until the late 80s, recycling was something that hippies did and, and Birkenstock wearing people. Well, now, hey, if you ask Richie Daly, he still feels that way. Well, what's interesting about the, the story with the city's blue bag uh, program, um, which will be good to say goodbye to, obviously, is that recycling is now not something that you know those environmentalists do it's a it's a right it's a service that people from all walks of life demand and are upset when they can't do it easily so that, well okay now I, I just have to stop you there because uh, um, you're right of course um, and again I you know I'm not I'm not name dropping here but you, you just hit a nerve um, and a hot bush button issue with me because I'm with the Chicago Recycling Coalition sure. and as you know in the last uh, week we've been dealing with the fallout from the announcement of the 2010 budget for the city of Chicago and rumors are flying that the rollout of blue cart will be suspended uh, and that uh, maybe the recycling pickup will go from two every two weeks to every three weeks. Uh, so while Sierra Club understands the importance of recycling, the city of Chicago does not. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't want to be too hard. Well, yes, I do. I do want to be hard on them because they should have done this 17 years ago instead of rolling out uh, Blue Bag. So we, we got behind the eight ball uh, by at least 15 years uh, when we could have been doing the right thing. And that is the point. Uh, and I'm going to encourage people to go to my website, MikeNovak.net, and go to this week's show and find the link to join, uh, first of all, to go to the CRC website, Chicago Recycling Coalition. Sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent here, Jack. I'll be right with you in a sec. <laughs> um, no, it's a good point. Uh, and, and, and we also have a Facebook page now. And i got to tell you, in the last week since the city 
started talking about cutting back on recycling, which is, may I say it, insane! Um, we have gotten a lot of people who have become fans of the CRC because the people want recycling. You're right. Most people understand that this is basic city service. This is not frill. Um, and at some point, I've got a feeling that you and I are going to be working on this together, uh, especially if the city goes back on its commitment to roll out blue carts for all 600,000 uh, residences in Chicago. We'd love to work on that together. And I, I think not only is it disappointing, I hope we can find a way uh, to avoid that delay, but it's kind of emblematic of so many of these victories that we've worked on and other issues. You're told at the time, you know, it's a good idea to protect the environment, but right now is not the right time. We've got either, you know, there's a recession, we have a budget crunch, there's some reason always for delay, and we almost always find down the road how much cheaper, cleaner, more effective it would have been if we acted at the time. And this is one of those cases where, as you said, 17 years ago, um, you know, if the city had made the right decision and gone ahead and offered curbside service to people 17 years ago, it, you know, they're not talking about reducing garbage collection because of this budget crunch because it's, not, it's an accepted regular service that people expect and demand. Recycling would be in the same position if the city had done it 17 years ago. I do think they're committed to getting there, but we, now is the time. I I agree, um, and and that's why it's I find it hard to cut any slack to give them any slack because they put us so far behind already. Uh, it's always going to be the wrong time. All money's always going to be tight. It's you know when when do you think the city is going to be flush? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. No time soon. Uh, that is Jack Darren. He is the director of the Illinois Sierra Club. Um, they're having their big 50th year anniversary celebration next week, next Saturday. I am the MC. You realize how dangerous that is, Jack, don't you? We are thrilled to have you, Mike. Thank you for doing that for us. <laughs> um, I'm happy to. I'm, I really respect what you folks do. Uh, I also noticed, and I'm very excited about this, a vocal performance from the Bullfrogs. The uh, Bullfrogs, very cool. A, an a cappella chorus of uh, Prairie Restoration volunteers. I've heard them. They're really special. We've got uh, a musical performance by the Stoneflies, which is a good uh, local band made up of environmental professionals. They do. It's, it's environmental music that actually sounds like good music, which I know is not always. <laughs> always I know what you're talking about. Sometimes. <laughs> and now we're going to do an environmental song, and right. then everybody starts to fall asleep. Right. Uh, no, and I've, I've heard the Bullfrogs, too. They're very... They're very fun, and uh, I hadn't heard the other band. What's it again? Stoneflies. Stoneflies. All right. Any other envi environmental uh, entertainment-themed uh, uh, groups? We have, uh, to start us off, over cocktails, we have Jack Scott playing uh, Renaissance Lute. To start us off on a, a beautiful, classy note. And we've got lots of special guests coming. We'll have some of our elected official champions we've worked with over the years, and we've got the national president of the Sierra Club, Allison Chin, uh, coming to give remarks. So it should be a great time. A lot of old friends, a lot of new friends, oh and uh, we're really looking forward to it. We're going to be in Cook County's beautiful forest preserves uh, on the northwest side at the Volunteer Resource Center. Um, should be a great event.
Yeah, it's the volunteer. And all this, again, uh, the links are, are on my website, MikeNovak.net. Uh, but you can go to the, it'll be at the Volunteer Resource Center of the Cook County Forest Preserves, which is at 6100 North Central Avenue uh, in Chicago. Um, and it starts at 6.30, goes to 10.30, and, uh, you know, this is a great way to support the uh, Sierra Club. And I'll bet over the years, many, many different kinds of people have supported you, and maybe they haven't been in the fold for a while or or active, and maybe this is a time to, as you say, come renew some old acquaintances. Yeah, it really is. I mean, sounds like a, a cliche, but the future really is in the balance. When you look at, at the discussions that are going on at the national level, but also locally about uh, climate change and smart energy policies, it really feels like everything we've done for the last 50 years has basically been building strength for, for really this moment in history, where you get the sense we're either going to do it in time uh, based on what the scientists are telling us about greenhouse gas emissions or we're just going to be too late. Well, and uh, also, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show, but I had Deborah Shore on from the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. Right. And I sneaked in a question at the end about uh, disinfecting the uh, treated sewage dumped into the waterways uh, in uh, the Lower Des Plaines River in Chicago area. Um, and uh, said, how long are these hearings going to go on before uh, the uh, MWRD makes a decision? And, you know, she's hoping next year. But it's also, it's been going a long time, and that's one of your big fights right now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the fact that we don't have the best available wastewater treatment on the Chicago River system, where we know, you know, on a nice day you've got people out there in paddle boats and canoes and even wading in places. We're encouraging kids and families and everybody to go to the river, which is great. Uh, but the fact that we're not disinfecting the effluent that makes up most of those rivers is just, it's just backward. And I think that the time has long since passed for us to have the Chicago River, uh, the CalSAG Channel where there's a lot of boating activities and the other parts of the system just to get the same basic protection for the people who use it that every other you know, river and stream in our region and state have. The Water Reclamation District has plants that discharge into rivers in the suburbs, and they disinfect there, so they know how to do it. Um, it's just time to, to stop fighting the inevitable and do it. Um, Especially when you look at the, you know, who's behind this, you know, the Illinois EPA is behind it, and, and, a, and a lot of um, uh, groups like yours, uh, and it does seem to be everybody's on one side, and the... Uh, MWRD is on the other, and it's... Sure, and they say it's going to, you know, well, they don't want to do it in part because it's going to cost money, you know, to keep people from getting sick when they enjoy the river, but, you know, they're, they're, they're paying lawyers, they're paying consultants, they're putting a lot of money into the fight against these health protections, and wouldn't we be better off as taxpayers and river users just to, to focus our resources on protecting people better? You're listening to the Mike Novak Show on Chicago's Progressive Talk, AM and FM. That's Jack Darren, director of the uh, Illinois chapter of the Sierra Club. Do you mind if, you take, if we take a phone call here, Jack? That'd be fun. Okay, let's go to line two. We've got Elaine, who's in Chicago. Hi, Elaine. You're on the Mike Novak Show. Hi. Well, I just wanted to tell you that um, the city, I live uh, far north side in Chicago, in a 500-unit high-rise building. Okay. And, of course, 
we have to pay for our own garbage disposal, yes. know, waste management. Yes. Well, the city has already slapped a $75 tax on every dumpster, and this is, I think, per month. Um, uh, and we have 12 dumpsters that we fill. So what, is that, what does that translate to uh, for your personal uh, waste bill? Do you uh, know how? Do, I don't know how much we pay to waste management. Uh huh. Very honestly, they they are the people who are handling your. Uh, yeah, we your have pickup. to pay them. And yeah, pay, uh, one thing that people who are not familiar with Chicago, uh, in fact, people in Chicago, don't know that uh, in high rises you're you're kind of on your own. You yes. you hire the you work with your waste hauler to get recycling. Uh, unlike. Uh, you know, the six, when I talked about the 600,000 units that were supposed to get blue cart, those are, uh, houses that have four units or less. Right. Uh, or fewer, actually. Right. Uh, and so basically they count that as individual residences. Uh, and, but in the high rise, yeah, you're, uh, yeah, you're yeah. dealing with the, the waste hauler. Yes, exactly. And it's not cheap. And, uh, as far as, um, recycling, uh, our building fortunately has what is called a bulk room and we have done recycling for years now but uh, a lot of people don't recycle and so now a big emphasis has been on you know recycle and they gave us lists which aren't very helpful because they're not very detailed okay now but, that's that's interesting um mm -hmm. they uh who gave you the list? Was it the building management or was it the uh, city of Chicago? The city of Chicago. Which, of course, the building management uh, uh, d distributed to everyone. Mm -hmm. And for every dumpster that we fill with recyclable stuff, we don't get taxed on. But we have 12 dumpsters. And, you know, now I've become an avid recycler. But it's, I'm just amazed at how little I am able to recycle because uh, so much is not recyclable. Well, that's that's interesting, too, because I, when I look at my home and the recycling I do, I have cut back my garbage, uh, I would say, three-quarters uh, because m there's so much recycling well, uh, that I do. And, and in the city, there's a lot of stuff that you can recycle um, you know, all plastics except six. You can also re uh, recycle juice cartons. Did you know that, Elaine? Oh, yes. Okay. I've been doing it. I've been doing it. Okay. Good, 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 good. one thing is newspapers. You see, uh, most of my garbage, quote-unquote, is not, um, uh, you know, remains of fresh fruits or vegetables or whatever. And besides, we have uh, um, garbage disposals where you can dump a lot of that stuff down it. Well, you know, i got to tell you something, and, and Jack, I'd be interested in you weighing in on this, uh, being director of uh, Illinois Sierra Club. Um, garbage disposal, to me, to me, is technology of the past. Being valuable uh, organic waste and throwing it into the sewer, and I think we need to rethink that whole thing. What's your opinion on that? Well, we know that, you know... It, it, Physically, at least 80% of what we throw away could be recycled. Now, the main problems are, are there markets for everything? Not yet, but as 
resources of all kinds get scarce globally. And uh, as we look at climate change, there are carbon dioxide emissions associated with the production of all this waste, with the, the breakdown of all this waste in landfills producing methane. Um, and I think we've seen that when we started to recycle, one of the great things about Elaine's story is once you start to do it, it kind of becomes, you know, you, you get the bug. And for some people it's competitive. For some people they like to challenge themselves. Other people are just really excited about the difference they're making. And people really start to push the envelope, you know, in their own individual kitchens and houses, and that leads government to do things like, you know, we created a, a demand to find a solution for juice box recycling, and now the city is implementing it. Yeah, well, so I we just think we need that. Need to just basically keep up the pace. And one of the key things about getting real recycling to everybody in Chicago ASAP is just to to broaden and intensify that community expectation of innovation. What's the next thing we can do? I have a question. Go ahead, Elaine. Okay, I tell you what most of my trash is, and that is I have a paper trained dog, small, and. Most of it is newspapers that she has urinated on. No poop. The poop I pick up and go to the toilet. Um, now, of course, by the time that the trash is full, all the urine, which, you know, it's a small dog, so we're not talking about a whole lot. Right. Um, it's all dry. Now, would that newspaper be... Uh, Recyclable? Yeah, recyclable. I, I can't imagine why it wouldn't, Jack. Um, it sounds like, you know, we're, we're dealing with nitrogen here <laughs> in, in urea, and nitrogen's going to be going into landfills anyway, and I can't, you know, it, it, the, it's, I, I don't think we're having the same pathogen problems uh, that we have uh, with, uh, with feces. Um, mm -hmm. What would you think, Jack? You know, I just have not been asked that question before, so I think the <laughs> Illinois Recycling Association would be a great resource for that. You know, I'm going to check with that. You know, it's, Elaine, yeah. this, this always happens. Somebody asks a question that I've never heard before, <laughs> and I, this is a new one on me. Um, offhand, I would think it's not a problem, but I could be really off base on this. So yeah, because if I could recycle that, then I would have precious little trash or you know non-recyclable elaine are you do you have a computer can you send me an email um no my email isn't working very well <laughs> all right here's what i want you to do i want to put you on hold and uh, uh heather will get your phone number okay i'm going to check on this and get back to you i'm, I'm actually planning to have uh, mike mitchell from the illinois recycling association on the show soon because uh, uh we're going to talk about the new uh food composting law in illinois and uh -huh. this would be a great time to bring it up but as soon as i find this answer uh i will get it to you and i will of course say it on uh, on, the, on the show as well because yeah. and just in case i sounded like an idiot just now but i, I can't think of a reason why you couldn't uh, recycle that so i'm going to put you on hold you talk to heather okay okay thanks for calling elaine well thank you you have a great show oh i appreciate that thanks for listening we're with jack darren who is the uh, director of uh the illinois chapter of the sierra club you see you get every time you turn around jack you get a question that you've never heard before that's true. Um, now, what other issues uh, with the Sierra Club are you uh, pursuing at this moment that should be on people's radar screens? Well, a big deal for us, obviously, is that the National Sierra Club has adopted solving global warming as its overriding challenge. You know, historically, we've been made up of 
volunteers who are working on everything from wildlife protection and, and habitat restoration, pollution issues, health issues. We've kind of come to the realization that if we if we fail to solve climate change, a lot of that other stuff isn't going to matter. You know, if, if climate change gets out of control, we're going to lose a lot of the endangered species. Uh, it's going to be all kinds of impacts that affect all the things we care about. So our role as the Illinois chapter of a group that's working to try to solve global warming is to try to get the smart energy solutions in place here in the heart of the country where we have a lot of coal, we have a lot of farmers, obviously a lot of people, we drive a lot. If we can do the things that we need to solve climate change here, we think we can do it anywhere. And we're off to a really good start. I think in, in the last few years we have made huge strides towards changing an energy policy in Illinois that was all about coal and nuclear just a couple of years ago to now where we have about the most aggressive renewable energy standards in the country. 25% of our energy is going to come from wind and solar and other renewables by 2025. We have very aggressive energy conservation programs starting um, with both our electric utilities and natural gas companies. So. Uh, we've done some some great stuff here, and it's really it's really encouraging. In fact, it's one of the things um, that offers some rays of light in this recession. The the wind energy industry in Illinois that has been prompted by what we've been able to do in Springfield um, is one of the few areas where we see the potential for really big job growth in many parts of our state in the very near future. So it's those are exactly the kind of questions that Congress is tackling right now. The fact that we've made great strides here in Illinois, we're hoping, is going to show the rest of the country that, yeah, we really can make the transition to a clean energy economy uh, right away, like scientists are telling us we have to. And your point is well taken that uh, Illinois is uh, is kind of a bellwether state in that regard, given that we have coal interests in the south and we have um, large cities in the north and uh, lots of traditional kinds of farming. It's interesting how everything I've talked on the sh- about on the show today comes, you know, they all intermingle. <laughs> you know the 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 producing uh, too much too much corn and soybeans and and that sort of thing and how do we progress and how do we get out of the coal-fired plant era and into wind energy and you know uh, somehow they're all interrelated um, but that brings me to something because last week for the 360 or 350 uh, uh, day of action on Saturday I was I marched against the uh, the Fisk coal-fired plant in Chicago. Now, we got two coal-fired plants in Chicago. Uh, why are they still there? That's what I can't figure out. That um, it's, it's, it's actually kind of an embarrassment when you, environmentally, isn't it, Jack? It is, and I think they really date from an, from an era where we, pollution was in many ways not controlled. We still have this loophole where carbon dioxide emissions from plants are not controlled, and that's really at the center of the debate in Washington today over climate change and what we saw in uh, when we took national action to reduce pollution from uh, that was causing acid rain we set up this trading system which allowed small plants like the, the two that we have in the city of Chicago relatively small to avoid putting on scrubbers and other pollution controls uh, that were put on in other parts of the country Pollution trading allowed that to happen. So we really need to be careful the next time 
we do a major upgrade to our pollution laws, which will be when we include limits on greenhouse gas emissions, that we don't repeat that mistake, that every plant gets cleaner and that we we don't assume that old plants will eventually close. That was the argument in the 70s. Uh, little plants like the ones in Pilsen and Little Village, they're not going to be around that long. Why saddle them with expensive pollution controls? Let's just let them live out the remaining years of their life, sort of, and they'll die quietly. Well, it happened, and they had that loophole, and so it became very profitable to try to keep those things going as long as possible because they didn't have to put on scrubbers. We can't make that same mistake when we adopt greenhouse gas emissions rules. We need to set a date certain that all plants either, either clean up or close. Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, I'm hoping that when the legislation passes, whatever form it is, uh, those two plants can be addressed. Again, it just seems, you know, I drive past one of them coming into work every Sunday, um, and it's a constant reminder that uh, we have a way to go. Uh, Jack Darren is the uh, director of Illinois uh, Sierra Club. Uh, the big benefit is uh, next week. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to call this back up here. Um, and uh, you can still get on board uh, if you want to get tickets for the uh, 50th anniversary celebration dinner, which is at the Volunteer Resource Center of the Cook County Forest Preserve, 6100 North Central Avenue. Lots of good entertainment. Obviously, supporting a great organization. If uh, you're around for 50 years, you must be doing something right. Uh, and I'm the MC. Um, and that's probably the only uh, fly in the ointment for, for, for that evening, right? I think it's another great reason to come out. <laughs> well, I'm happy to do it, and I'm looking forward to it. Jack, thank you so much. We'll talk uh, soon. Thanks, Mike. I'll see you Saturday. You betcha. Bye-bye. This is the Mike Novak Show on Chicago's Progressive Talk, AM and FM. I think I tracked down that uh, I finally had to, I had to go find my own link to the o Obama uh, harvesting thing. So we'll get into that. And I got a couple of, uh, uh, other articles I want to talk about. And, uh, if you got a question, a comment, we're kind of wide open here for about 20 minutes. 773-838-9278. 773-838-WCPT is the telephone number. And of course, at 10 o'clock, it's Mighty House. They should have me do that. I'd be a good mighty house guy. Um, and we were we were going to talk about fireplaces today, and we're going to do it in the future. Maybe it'll be your friend. Yes. From um, outside fireplaces yes, in Oak Park. Yes, in Oak Park, because fireplaces are um, there's a couple of sides of that. There's the environmental side. Is this a good environmental procedure? Because I know that uh, I know there are places in the country that have ban fireplaces or at least curtail the use of them because of uh, inversions and other things that happen in the atmosphere. You have to be careful. Um, yet there's the idea that you can produce heat. You know, is what's the trade-off on that? And that's what I want to talk to these guys about. And of course, the Mighty House guys, uh, Ron, it, Ron and Joe. Is it environmentally responsible to burn leaves rather than throw them away, and I know you should compost them. It is environmentally irresponsible to burn leaves. What happens when you burn leaves? Like you, There's smoke. Okay, well, <laughs> where there's, duh. Where there's, where there's fire, there's smoke. Really? Yeah. Oh, I learned so much today. I know. 
And you can quote me on that one. That wasn't my... Where there's wasn't exactly fire, there's smoke. Uh, okay. No, you know... <laughs> Leaves are one of the greatest contributions to, to, to the soil you can have. So the why would you? I know why you would burn them, because it smells great. It does smell good. And then I will you, say you, that. You, 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 you tend the fire, and then you go inside, and your clothes smell like leaf smoke. That you know, I remember that as a kid, when when back in Madison Heights, Michigan, we lived on a corner lot. Um, the street next to us was not even it was paved, but it was like tarred. It didn't really, and it, it was mounded. It wasn't a real paved job. So, and we had a ditch, and we would rake the leaves, and we would, uh, you know, set them on fire. Love that. Love the smell. And everybody would do it, yeah. you know, up and down the block. Yeah, they don't allow that anymore. No, yeah. and there's a reason for it because, you know, with all the stuff we're pumping into the atmosphere to begin with, that's not good. Well, my question to that was what do they emit when they're burned? Like what gas do they emit? Like is it carbon? Is it nitrogen? Or, you know, like... Well, I, I, I would imagine carbon dioxide, yeah. uh, but you're also producing ash right. and soot. Yeah. So you're doing particulate matter in the air, which is not good. Um, so, and, 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 and really it's not about a negative, it's about a positive. And the positive is leaves are so good in your garden and in your compost pile. Why you would you, why would you know, and, and I was watching, you just what? turn them into the soil when you shred them up? Sure. Shred them up, put them in the compost pile or just put them on top of the garden. They're going to be gone by the spring. Uh, and I was driving. Is that a way you can winterize your garden by yeah, putting leaves on it's, top? It's a mulch. I didn't know that. It's a breath mint, it's a candy mint, it's a mulch. Whatever you want to do with leaves. So, I, want, I want my maple leaf breath mints. Um, <laughs> maple with pine cone breath mints. Whatever you need. <laughs> All right. Um, there are many reasons you should visit your friends at Sid's Greenhouses, and there are many reasons that you should visit them on the web. Talked about that earlier. Just go to SidsOnline.com. Now, they have garden reminders throughout the year. You can click on them, and you get great tips. We were just talking about leaves. Um, well, one of the tips they have right now is how to save seeds from your most desirable annuals, perennials, and vegetables, how to winterize your pond, and how to overwinter your plants and fish, and how to improve your soil for next year's garden by adding organic matter now. Guess what leaves are? Leaves are organic matter. You know what? You know what? I want you to go celebrate Halloween every week. You're really laid back today. It's <laughs> because I'm hungover. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that on the air, but that's okay. I have spades a spade. I'll call <laughs> myself out. <laughs> Rick, Rick admitted it, but he was more sly about it. <laughs> I'm just the blunt, annoying sidekick. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my support team and... Trying to figure out what do they have in common. <laughs> they like Halloween? Uh, they like Halloween. <laughs> and uh, don't you wish it could be every week? I do. It was fun with my son, though. That's why. But but back to Sid. Yes. Uh, if you need to replace any of your indoor plants, this is the week to do it. Sid's is featuring 25% savings on greenhouse plants, including tropicals, lucky bamboo. All right. Lucky bamboo is not a bamboo. Okay. Did you know that? No. All right. We're going to give away a $25 gift certificate to SIDS who can ever answer this question. 773-838-9278. 773-838-WCPT. 
If Lucky Bamboo is not a bamboo, what is it? Please call in, and you, I know you've got one up front. Yes, yes, yeah. I do, uh, here. Which, I've, which I've kept alive, thanks I'm, to uh, knowing you in this show. I'm going to teach you how to make it thrive. Uh, 773-838-9278. If Lucky Bamboo is not a bamboo, then what is it? Uh, also, back to SIDS, they have, uh, this is the, uh, the world's longest commercial. Um, decorative ceramic pots and pottery uh, are available now, and they're buy one, get one free. SIDS has hundreds of styles and colors available. The Christmas shop is open, 30% off this week on stuff in the Christmas shop. SIDS, Chicagoland's premier garden centers, are located in Palos Hills on Southwest Highway. And in Bolingbrook on Naper Plainfield Road at Hassert Boulevard. And, of course, I love them because they recycle. Planning a new home or starting a remodeling project? Let the light flow into every room with style and grace. Marvin Design Gallery by Estates Windows Limited knows that any room's appearance is greatly affected by its windows. Today's discerning homeowner looks for three things in a window purchase. Quality, style, and energy savings. At Marvin Design Gallery, you'll find the unmatched quality of all wood frames, over 11,000 standard and custom window designs, plus the energy savings of wood construction and special glass treatments. Now you can see, touch, and operate over 70 window and door displays at their state-of-the-art showroom. Marvin Design Gallery is located in Lake Bluff at 930 North Shore Drive. On the web at MarvinByEstates.com or call 847-615-1003. That's 847-615-1003. Marvin Design Gallery, featuring that distinctive window that fills a room with light to make it something really special. Oh, the uh, calls are just pouring in. Everybody knows what's going on, what a lucky bamboo is, really, even if it's not a bamboo. Here's a tip from the Care of Trees. Few people like to cut down a tree, but sometimes it's necessary, like the mulberry on my block that I want to get rid of. Um, some of the reasons include poor condition, inappropriate location, unacceptable risk, and other factors. Some removal projects are quite routine, while others require highly technical skills, including working around utility lines, complex rigging, or the use of large cranes. The Care of Trees crews include arborists and tree workers with all the skills necessary to safely complete the most difficult and hazardous removals. They are also equipped to grind out any size stump, and they'll help you pick out and plant a new tree. This is a great service. With nine lo it's a great company. With nine locations, the Care of Trees has been serving Chicagoland for 60 years, putting you and your trees first. Make the Care of Trees your permanent partner in enhancing the value of your landscape. Whether you want to make sure all is well with the trees in your yard or you're changing your landscaping, invite the certified arborist at the Care of Trees to take a look. See thecareoftrees.com or call 847-394-4220. 847-394-4220, The Care of Trees. Their business is people and their love for trees. Linda, 
in McHenry, please call back. We lost you. Drop the line there. Thank you. Paging Linda in McHenry. Please call back. This is the Mike Novak Show on Chicago's Progressive Talk, AM and FM. I ask the musical question, if a lucky bamboo is not a bamboo, then what is it? So should we start with Marguerite? Is that where we're yes. going here? Line yes. two, Marguerite, you're on the Mike Novak Show. How are you? I'm just fine, Michael. How are you? I'm good. So what do you think it is? Is it nephritis? That's an, um, actually, uh, that's a disease. No, I'm kidding. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. I was out with Rick and Heather last night, so you can't do that to me this early in the morning. Oh, oh so they were out together, and I didn't get invited, huh? Is that it? Uh, uh, next week. Next uh, week. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid you're not quite right. It's not. Okay. No. Nope, nope, nope. So, uh, but thank you for trying. And Are you going to tell us how to take care of them after we find out what it's called? Oh, why? You having problems with your... Uh... Yeah, they're kind of fading. <laughs> uh, you know what you need to do? One of the things you got to do is fertilize them. You can't, oh. you can't just leave them in water because uh, what uh, uh, are they going to live on? You know, that's that's part of the um, the problem there because folks think that well, it's in water, so it, it should be okay. But uh, they got to get some nutrients too. So that's when um, you uh, you add a little bit of um, of the liquid fertilizer, you know, like a Schultz or something like that, and uh, really diluted. Yeah. Uh, okay. As a matter of fact, uh, let me see here. A boom, 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 boom. I'm gonna. Give you the tip right now. Caring for you here, but plants, uh, you, you only need to feed it about every other month or so. And yeah, and you use a very weak liquid fertilizer. Um, they prefer, as I told Heather, bright filtered sunlight, uh, but avoid direct sunlight because that'll scorch the leaves and you'll get the, the tips will turn brown on you. So, um, and you can actually, they'll. They're happier with a little, um, too little light rather than too much. Uh, however, the plant could stretch if you get too little light. I mean, they had the, the lucky bamboo here at the at the Chicago's Progressive Talk was in the women's room forever. Yeah, and under terrible fluorescent lighting. Well, the, okay. fluorescent, the fluorescent lighting that went on uh, maybe for a total of 20 minutes a day. Yeah. you know. So otherwise, <laughs> wow. it, it was in the dark. And the fact that it's still alive is is remarkable. So. <laughs> Uh, so, Marguerite, you didn't you didn't win the prize, but uh, there you go. Uh, well, you, at le you at least got the tip. Thanks for the tip. Okay, thanks for calling. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, let's see, where are we going now? Three. All right, go to line three. Heidi, you're on the Mike Novak show. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Good. Me too. Uh, great. What are you doing this morning besides listening to the show? Waking up late, having some breakfast. It's a lazy day. Is this uh, your uh, preferred method of waking up listening to the Mike Novak show? Yes, indeed. And my husband. Well, great. Yes, he's a big, big fan. Oh, excellent. Are you guys gardeners? He is more of a gardener. I'm getting there slowly. Ah. Because, again, back to the laziness. <laughs> he's out there bright and early doing his gardening, and I usually come around a little later and help him out. Uh, that's okay, as mm -hmm. long as you help out. So yeah. what is your guess on this? I think it's a member of the Lily family. 
Okay. Um, My uh, sister was into feng shui for a while, and I thought that's what she told me it was, that it's a lily. Yeah, well, that's not what I'm looking for. Oh, darn it. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm glad, but but I'm glad you called, and I'm glad you're listening in Lombard, and is your husband around? Does he not know? He's the gardener. He's not around. Ah, see, if he had been there, you might have won. Darn it. Oh, I'll blame okay. him for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And let's go to line one. Bring in uh, Joe, or is it Lily? Joe. Because you've got Joe. it backwards. It's yeah, like, sorry, Lily is calling and says the plant is named Joe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Joe. Yes, Mike. I, I had the same answer as part of the Lily family. I actually have bamboo growing in my house. It's actually, which bamboo is actually a grass. Uh huh. So. Uh, okay. Wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on one second. I want to. I want So just so I'm not giving people uh, a bum steer. Uh, let's see here. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Let's see what that brings up. Well, all right. You know what? I got. I, I. That wasn't what I was looking for. But um, you know what? We've got to give Heidi Heidi yeah, her props okay. because it is part of the Lily family, but that's that's going you know that's so generic. I was looking, I should have what I should have said. Give me the genus. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's my fault. Well, you are a master gardener. That's, yeah. Your brain just goes there. Uh, yeah. All right. You know what, Joe? You're getting a twenty-five dollar gift certi- certificate to Sids. Thank you, sir. Heidi. Call us back. Do you have her information? No, I just have her name. But if she calls back, I can get her info, and she can have one too. Heidi. You 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 do know it after all, all right. So we will give you that. Um, here's what it is. It's a Dracaena. Okay, that's what I. You know, I, I should do the Alex Trebek. Oh, we were looking for Dracaena. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Dracaena. You failed to submit your answer in the form of a question. It's a Dracaena sandariana. That is, uh, but it is a member of the Lily family. However, we needed Dracaena. Uh, nah, Josie, I'm a lot better than Alex. So uh, you're going. Sure, you're going to get. Uh, a uh, a gift certificate to SIDS, and you're in the ballpark there. You're, well, you're, it's outside anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, are you a gardener? Oh, yes. Oh, good. So I'm sure not as, not, not up to your... Uh, oh, please, don't even go there. <laughs> don't even go there. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting looking at my yard now. Well, of course, it is end of season, and it's just, uh, just kind of sad. But... Uh, uh, we actually, I wrote an article for Chicagoland Gardening Magazine that comes out in the January issue, and the photographer had to come to my yard to take pictures. And I said, uh, okay, you got like two angles here, because otherwise you're going to see all the bad stuff in there. We all, I, this is why I don't let people in my garden, because they, all, they have this expectation of me that it's going to look like Versailles okay. or something. But, uh, you know, I'm like everybody else. I, I'm, I, I can get lazy. I can get... Stupid. <laughs> uh, but, Joe, thank you for calling. And I guess, hey, is, is Heidi back with us? Let me get Heidi back on, on, on the line here. Uh, Joe, uh, uh, do you, uh, does Heather have your information yet? No, not yet. Oh, not yet. Okay, so I'm going to put you on hold, and uh, you got yourself a $25 gift certificate to SIDS. Thanks for calling, and thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, and Heidi. Yes, hi. See? You, you didn't know your stuff. Oh, well, good. Uh, you know, that's, I'm so excited because there's so much we can use with that gift certificate. That's great. Well, yeah, they got all the they got the sales coming up uh, and um, the Christmas items and whatever you want. Some, yeah, some nice evergreen things for outside. I think that'll be really pretty. 
Uh, great. So uh, th- I'm glad you called back. Glad you were still listening. And I will see. I'm I'm a, I'm a fair guy. <laughs> you are a fair guy. That's great. Uh, you didn't give me Dracina, but you're still going to get a prize. All right. Dracina. I have to write that down so I can remember it for next time. Do you know how to spell Dracina? Wow. You know, it's like you know what a corn plant is. I know. It's it's those plants that you have uh, in your house that uh, look like corn stalks, and they usually have really thick stems, and then they chop it off, and then the leaves grow out the side, and it looks like a corn leaf. Okay. Uh, that's a dracaena. D r e s. D r a c a e n a. A e n a. D r a c a e n a. Okay. That's it. And there's, uh, there's, it includes Easter lily and spider plant, uh, oh, okay. corn plant. There's all kinds of dracaenas out there. Well, good. So you learned something new today. I sure did. All right. You got all the information? All right. You all set, Heather? All right. All right. Well, Heidi, thanks, and thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Have a great one. You too. Uh, before we leave, well, there we go. I knew I wasn't going to get to the, let's do it real quick. Harvest time at the White House. Um, they, had uh, they had, uh, gosh, how many pounds of food there? Like over 900 pounds they harvested. Um, she says, and do you know how much it costs to plant all this? 120 something dollars to get the soil ready and about $55 for all the seeds. So less than $200, and they have enough food planted, not just to feed the folks at the White House, and I guess they do serve it at the White mm-hmm. House, but also given a lot of food to some of our neighbors, we're going to do that today. So... Staffers from Miriam's Kitchen, a soup kitchen for the homeless, were on hand to reap some of the bounty. Did that? That's a oh. that sends a great message. Um, the Obamas are awesome. All right, Mighty House is next. There's Trixie. There's Joe. They're all wandering in. We're ready to do this. We're going to do some news. It's in a, hot in here, man. It is warm. Yes, that's what we do. We like to keep it warm. In here? What the uh, hell? I'm blooming in here. Gotta go.